When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined in the studio today by Craig Burley. Stevie didn't get lost getting here, so he's also here as we kick things off with the early game in the Premier League. Oh, uh, Liverpool are taking on Chelsea. This one finished 0-0. Uh, it's kind of one of those games that actually went pretty much as everyone expected. Not a lot of quality shown from either side, and it was your typical kind of Mid-table battle epitomised by the fact, of course, when you take a look at the Premier League table and where they stand after today's games, they are 8th and 10th respectively, level on points uh, with Brentford in between them. Oh, look who's happy to be here. Still in Germany, Stuart Robson joins us. <laughs> he loves Derek so much. <laughs> he loves, he loves Derek more. so much. Uh, we'll get a robber in a Stayed. minute. Um, well, it was, you know what it was like? It was like, and it's a shame really, but it was like two heavyweight boxers getting one final payday. Mm. And it's yeah. a shame because these two have been, over the years, particularly recently, have been tremendous. But it, it was two sides that are, are struggling. I mean, a positive from Chelsea perspective, the Silva again was terrific. Uh, Jorginho was excellent and Modric was really exciting when he came on. Yeah. I thought Zayic played all right. They were trying to hit that big diagonal out to Zayat, switch your play, balls over the top. And I thought they controlled a fair amount of it in the first half as it went on. But, yeah, Havertz had his goal chopped off and then uh, he had a couple of opportunities that he never took. But, yeah, I mean, at the moment it's a bit of a, a sad sight to see. Stevie... After the Wolves game, <laughs> <laughs> you said... You know, I, when I saw the team, I thought, this looks like a bit of mix and match. Right. You know, as if they've kind of thrown a team together. And, it, and it actually, they played as though they'd been thrown together. You know, you got Harvey Elliott, who I keep saying is learning his trade, and he's been playing in the middle of the park, now finds himself on the left-hand side of a front three. Gag pulls through the middle, who's not a centre-forward. Naby Keita, I mean, 70 million, really. Bazistic actually did OK. Uh, and Thiago was Thiago. I mean, just... Milner at right. I mean, it just wasn't... It just wasn't good. It was bang average. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Alisson making that save from the, from Baisiel uh, in the first half, then it, this could have gone way wrong. Had Liverpool lost a goal and gone behind, this could have went way wrong. So, at the end of the day... I think we should just be happy and take a point if wow. you're Liverpool, the way they played. Because there was nothing, think, nothing to talk about with Liverpool. I think it tells you all, I mean, we know some of Chelsea's selection was really because of a, a long injury list, big injury list, to be fair to them. But when you're putting in young Bajasic again, who did play well in, in midweek and has, he's was only 18. But when he's starting ahead of Fabinho and Henderson, I, I think it's kind of telling you where they are, that yeah. he's played these experienced players and he just isn't getting a tune out of them whatsoever. Do you know the strange thing as well? You know when he made all the substitutes and Henderson and Fabinho come on? Normally, under normal circumstances, you'd be going, oh, he's bringing the, he's bringing the cavalry on here to win the game. I didn't feel like that when they came on. I'm like, well, we'll probably just... Just going through the motions. We won't lose the game. Right. I, I didn't get the feeling of, oh, they're making all these changes to, win, to go and get after it. Because nothing changed, you know. No surprise, Nunez showed a bit of life. But other than that, there was no difference. What's wrong with them, Robbo? Uh, again, they're not playing with a great intensity. There's a lack of confidence. And I agree with, with what Craig just said. It looks as though Klopp has not given up on one or two of the players, but he's not particularly happy with one or two players. He decided to play Milner at right back rather than Alexander-Arnold. Uh, Bajicic in midfield instead of Fabinho. And, and Henderson could have played as well. You play Gakpo 
through the centre-forward position, as Stevie said. He's not a centre-forward. He likes to play off the left-hand side. He's already lost a little bit of confidence. He doesn't look the player that we saw at the World Cup. So there's a lot of things going wrong with Liverpool at the moment. And even defensively, they had one or two issues. And I thought for the first half, Chelsea controlled the game. Then Liverpool, right at the start of the second half, that's what you expect from Liverpool. Pressing the ball high up the field, winning it back, playing at a high tempo. But they couldn't maintain it. There's a lot of things wrong with Liverpool at the moment. I think if Chelsea had somebody proper up front that... Was a proper forward, and I heard it mentioned in the commentary actually, like a DDA drug, but I mean, it's gone back a few right, years. Yeah. But if they had somebody up front with pace and power, that ball over the top would have killed Liverpool today. I mean, it almost did with Havertz on a couple of occasions. And they were looking for it. Thiago Silva was coming out and he was looking for it. And then even when they had the ball on the left, they were looking for that big switch because Andy Robertson had tucked in. So, all in all, I think bearing in mind that the, the last two results being Crystal Palace and this one, Bearing in mind the previous results, I think he'll be pretty happy. I think you're going to be happier, aren't you, Robbo, being a Chelsea fan than you are a Liverpool supporter at the moment? Yes. My only problem with, with Potter is that when you're a coach, you have to set down the, the basics of what your game plan. So you, you go into a club and you sort of say, for six, seven weeks, I've got to do the basics and make sure everybody knows the basics. And as we get better and as we start to play well, I'll develop the, the tactics. I'll start to make one or two changes. I was watching Chelsea today and they changed from a back three to a back four. They changed the midfield shape on three or four occasions. They, then, they changed everything all over the place. I think he's trying too hard at the moment, Graham Potter. He's trying to be too clever. You've got to stick to the basics when you go into a club and you're struggling at the moment. Until he gets those basics right and the way he wants to play, he can't then develop and keep changing the tactics and keep changing the personnel. I know he's got injuries, but he's got to make sure the players know exactly what he's doing. He's trying too hard at the moment to be clever. Well, I think, in all fairness, I think part of that is, a huge part of that has to be, Stevie, the amount of injuries that he's got. I know all these new players have come in, the signing people for fun. I know Felix has got to serve another match suspension, but... 11, I mean, 11 injuries is... I mean, that's a lot. Who can deal with that? Right. Uh, Mudrick looked fun, didn't he, when he came on? Aye, looked sharp. Yeah. Could have had a couple. Um, yeah. No, bright. bright. I, I mean, again, quick feet. the difference between Chelsea and Liverpool, the, the changes they made, the, the players made a difference. This was great feet, wasn't it? The finish Aye. wasn't, but just watch, watch just here how he shifts it left to right and then back on his left. Not just that, if, if you can uh, cement these skills along with the pace that he's got. You know, can you imagine, I think, you know, when Potter... He's not met, fit. He said he's not fit. Potter mentioned that he's had a, a winter break. He's had a, a good few weeks, I think 10 weeks, did he say 10 weeks? He's not done yep. much. So he's got that to come. He's got a, the new country fit in with the new teammates. But I'm looking at him today coming on. I mean, I saw him play for Ukraine against Scotland. He came off the bench 12 months or so ago and he looked super sharp that day. I remember saying to Stevie and he was saying, yeah, yeah, he does. But he does look raw. Yeah. But when I think if, you, if I'm looking at him thinking, I can get Joe Felix back in this side and get him with his pace and get Felix floating about. I've only maybe only got one more slot to fill, whether it's Havertz or somebody else. Mm. And that could be quite an exciting front line. Mm. But it just depends when... We know Felix is coming back, but it just depends when other injuries are coming back. But I thought he looked terrific when he came on. I wish Potter would sort out who, how, how and who he wants to play in the middle of the park. I know he's got injuries. Right. You know, today, I, I, I don't think going to Anfield is a good time to play a young guy out of position in the middle of the park. They did with Hall. Right. And it actually almost cost Chelsea because he nearly, they nearly lost a goal. Just because he's, he's got, he's, he, his body was all wrong, he's facing his own goal, he's back to... He lost the ball, Liverpool could have scored. And sometimes, as the boys have been saying, if you try and be too clever, it can bite you. I think if you get settled down, with all the talent you've got up front, that Craig just mentioned, if you get your middle of the park settled, and by that I mean decide who you're playing. Again, he changed it in the middle of the park today. So... Get yourself some, get settled, and then throw all your talent on top of it, and then you can start going up the table. It's not, it's not, sorry, it's not fair on, I don't think it's very fair on the young guys as well. Right. You've got to Anfield, they're not, all right, they're not playing great. He's done pretty well at left back, he's 18, he goes into the left side of the midfield, and sometimes it was, it was in the middle of the park he was floating into. It was really tight in there in the first half an hour, I mean really tight, there wasn't a lot of space at all, Liverpool were trying to squeeze it, Chelsea were trying to play out, 
And as Stevie said, he, he's, he's shown for the ball because he's, he's not frightened to show for it. But then Liverpool are pressing him and they're playing balls into him. He's, he's, he's got his back to goal and it's, it's tough. I mean, it can destroy a youngster's confidence. Sure. Com I mean, it's difficult enough at 18 coming in and playing in your preferred position. Uh, but on, on top of that, I said, as I said earlier, I thought Jorginho actually played really well today and he helped him. But boy, he needs to get all those. I mean, Loftus-Cheek was on the bench. He's, he's been over the course, yeah. and yet he's playing this kid in there ahead of somebody that lost his cheek. I think that's telling another story. Uh, of course, both of these teams now, really, their goal is to finish top four come the end of the season. A big ask, considering what we've seen from them, of course, so far this campaign. Liverpool 2-1, to one. Chelsea at 8-1. to one. Uh, Remember, they're level on points. Liverpool do have a game in hand. Robert, I think if I was betting at the Two moment, I would, say, I would say that Chelsea would finish higher than Liverpool. Based on what we saw today, I think you're right. Chelsea looked the slightly better team. Liverpool looked lacking in confidence. Chelsea have got some good individual players. As we said, Potter's got to make sure he gets it all the all the, the right pieces in the right places. And I think over the course of the season, I think Chelsea will be slightly better. Liverpool is struggling at the moment. I'm not sure either of them are going to get into the top mm. four. But at the moment, I would say on the basis of what we saw today, Chelsea have got more chance. Well, Liverpool have got some injuries. And, and one or two to come back. Right, right? yeah. They've got Van Dijk obviously out. They're not going to... Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been playing yeah. well all season Ooh. anyway. I mean, they were losing goals for fun when he was in the team. So, I wouldn't imagine they're going to do much business, if any, in the January transfer window again. They've obviously Gakpo. Whereas Chelsea, <laughs> they could do more business. They've already they're done business. <laughs> and... I don't know the time frame on some of these players to come back, but if they come back in the next four to six weeks, he's going to have a, a bunch of players that could potentially put a run together. Yeah. Whereas Liverpool, it's just so flat. Yeah. And it's like this manager just wants this season to end and then they can figure it out in the summer where they go again. Every which way you look, there seems to be light at the end of the tunnel for Chelsea with the players they've got coming back. Sure. And when you think about Liverpool with the players they've got to come back, I don't see any light in the tunnel. I don't see 2-1. to one. I, I'm absolutely shocked at 2-1. to one. If, you don't, if, if everybody at Liverpool was fit right now, I still wouldn't put money on them winning the next game. Really? You don't know what you're going to get. Well, you said that Tom McCormick would have had the Wolves game. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching. I don't know who would tell you to shut up, boss. You or him. Meanwhile, very much the opposite end of the form table at the moment, of course, are Arsenal and Manchester United absolutely flying at the moment. They face off tomorrow at the Emirates. Uh, Arsenal, of course, looking to re-establish uh, eight-point lead at the top of the table on Manchester City. Uh, let's take a look at the predictions, shall we? Oh, there you go. So stay away wow. from 2-1. Don't, don't touch that. By the way, wow. people will think we all... <laughs> got in the corner. No, we don't talk to each other outside the studio. Because we've not been. So obviously we've not been to Germany to see Rob. <laughs> that's 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 slightly weird, isn't it? Uh, that is that is very strange. That everyone said it was going to be a draw, pretty much as well in the uh, in the Liverpool Chelsea yeah, but game. We, two two. We yeah, thought it was going to be yeah, goals. Well, you went for yeah. you went for goals. Uh, Robo, Arsenal to win it. Yes, I think so. I think their performance against Tottenham last week, you know, they could have gone into the game under a bit of pressure. Uh, I thought the Tottenham crowd might get after them, the Tottenham players might get after them. That wasn't the case. They completely dominated the game. They're showing a lot of composure now. Uh, they're playing with great speed on the counter-attack. They, in the top third of the field, they look as though they can create chances all the time. I'm just not sure how you stop Arsenal playing at the moment because they've got so many players that can twist and turn with the ball and get out of tight situations. They're clever around the box. They play little one-two. Saka is playing in the form of his life. Martinelli's doing well down the left-hand side. Odegaard, who I didn't fancy maybe a year and a half ago, looks a, a top-class player. And even Nketiah, playing as the centre-forward, yeah. is doing a good job. So, at the moment, I think Arsenal are, a, a, are the best team in the league. And they're going to be a difficult side to beat. And I don't think Manchester United will beat them at, at the Emirates. Listen, Manchester United, let's not forget, without Casemiro, who's been such a key part of this great run that Ten Hag's side has been on. I think that is a big... Obviously, it's a big factor going into this. Well, they got sloppy at Selhurst Park in the second half, and and he had to make a, he felt he had to make a challenge, and it was a it was a yellow card challenge. He knew as soon as he made it, but that's probably Arsenal's strongest position at the moment is Partey, Jacka, and Odegaard. Yeah, the front line have been great, but that midfield, Jacka and Partey, to be fair, have given Odegaard the platform to go and play. They've been brilliant. Partey's been 
superb in there. And how are Man United going to combat that? Does he play Fred and McTominay? Does he, does he change things up? Because you can't replace light for light Casemiro. He just doesn't have that player. Mm. Uh, so for those reasons, and I just think Arsenal are a bit of a train at the moment. There's no sign of them stopping. Mm. There's no sign of the pressure getting to them just yet. And I think Man United have come a long way, but Arsenal at the moment, as Robbo said, they're a better team than Man City. There's no, I mean, yep. there's no ifs and buts. Well, Arsenal would have been favourites going into this game, even if Casemiro was playing. Right. Yes. So clearly the fact he's not playing weakens Manchester United, which, which means Arsenal are going to be even better, in my opinion. I mean, whether it's Fred uh, or, or Fred and McTominay, I mean, he might even throw in my mate Martinez. He played, uh, he, he played in there for Ajax. I mean, we just don't know, because he clearly doesn't fancy Fred or McTominay, so you never know. He might, he might just try something on, the, on, on this occasion. But regardless of who he plays, Arsenal, no question, are, are, are favourites, and I just don't see Man United beating them. Listen, do us a favour, though. You're not in tomorrow. If Martinez, if Martinez loses a header, don't phone him saying, see, I told you. <laughs> he will do. He can't help himself. I'm a speed time when it comes to that. Uh, we've seen, of course, Trossard join Arsenal. Uh, Kiwior could be making the move as well to Arteta's side. A player that maybe not a lot of people have seen, Robert, but I know you have. Yeah, he's a centre-half. We saw him at the World Cup. He played for Poland in the World Cup. He's played for Spezia and he's a, uh, he pl usually plays on the left-hand side of, a, of two centre-backs. He's uh, six foot two. He's good in the air. He's decent on the ball. He's a, a decent athlete. You know, you, you wouldn't watch him and say he's an outstanding player. But at the moment, he's the sort of player that Arsenal need. The two centre-halves are playing well at the moment. But if one of them goes down, you don't want to bring Holding, I don't think, Holding into the side. Kivior is a good player and he'll do a good job. So I think it's an excellent signing. And the same you could say with who, who probably won't get in the side, but he's a great backup player. We talked about it uh, a couple of days ago. He's a great squad player, and when some, one of those players isn't quite playing well enough or gets injured, he comes in and doesn't really weaken the side. Good signing for Arsenal, both oh, of them. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is Todd Bowley not held about this? Hold on, hold on. This ain't done yet. How much money is it? Todd Bowley's a double. We're doubling. Arsenal try to say eight something. Year. Eight it year must deal. be good. Give him eight years. Uh, we'll be back then tomorrow to reflect on Arsenal against Manchester United, Real Madrid in action, Barcelona as well. Manchester United taking on Wol not who's playing Wolves tomorrow. Man City. Man City Nine are playing Wolves tomorrow. We're looking back at that game as well. We're down to the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup, and remember they've played over two legs. The first leg, Tuesday and Wednesday, Saints take on Newcastle, and 24 hours later, it's Forest against United. Those games on ESPN+. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Antoine Griezmann was exceptional as Atleti beat Valladolid by three goals to nil. Two assists and a goal for the Frenchman. An impressive win for Diego Simeone's side. It has been a poor season, hasn't it, up to now. They sit, though, fourth in the table. Three clear of Villarreal, a Champions League place very much their goal come the end of the campaign. For more on this, let's welcome in Ali Moreno. Ali, it was the Antoine Griezmann show. Yes, it is. And you were correct in that Atletico Madrid were very good today. In fact, I would argue that the first 30 minutes that we saw from Atletico Madrid today are the best 30 minutes that we have seen certainly this season, but that we have seen in a long long, long time from this team. And yes, Antoine Griezmann seems to be in the middle of everything that they do offensively. The goal that you saw today from Alvaro Morata and, and how well Morata takes it, the position that Antoine Griezmann takes is the same position that he took against Almeria last weekend. And he does exactly the same thing. Gets in between lines, the ball is played into him, center back gets thrown out of position, and then a runner goes in behind. Last week it was Angel Correa, this week is Morata. But you just see in a player like Antoine Griezmann, the level of confidence extremely high among teammates that haven't really been playing all that well. So he's lifted his level and today everybody lifted their level including Diego Simeone who we have criticized because of course he refuses to take the parking break off of this team. Well today it was a 4-3-3 and then the guys that were playing in front of the back line, yeah Koke sat in front of the back line but then after that Thomas Lemar is getting forward, Marco Llorente is getting forward, Angel Correa on the right hand side, Griezmann with freedom and Morata scoring goals. It was a beautiful game to watch if you're an Atletico Madrid fan. It was all Jao Felix's fault in the end, Ali. That was the issue. Yep. <laughs> well, of course. People <laughs> will have you believe that that's indeed what was holding this team back. But what's holding this team back, we all know and we have talked about it many and many times, and it is the name of Diego Simeone. And it, I have to be very careful when I talk about Diego Simeone because he's also the, the name that has pushed this team forward. But given the personnel that he has currently available on this team, he's just got to let him go. He's got to let him play and then know that you're not going to be as good defensively as you once were. But even if you sit back, this team doesn't have that personality and doesn't have those players. So you might as well go and attack people. You might as well just take your line of confrontation higher and then you give yourself an opportunity to score goals. That's what they did today. It was a really, really good game for Atletico Madrid. Yeah, impressive stuff from Simeone's side. Meanwhile, uh, very much at the other end of the table, Sevilla coming into this clash against Cadiz, fighting relegation. And it looked like this was going to be nil-nil, but... But a late chance here, handball called. You can see the reaction from the home players. Obviously, VAR would take a look. Oh, we play handball. Though. Little swat with it. Yeah. Oh, Swats it with yes. the left hand. Yeah. We've penalty seen some dodgy kick. ones given, haven't we, in Spain? But this one, no, penalty kick. spot on. Penalty awarded. Rakitic. Oh, tell you what, they needed that as well. They, they most certainly did, Stevie. Uh, Sevilla then with a 1-0 win. Let's see what that win means for Sevilla. Huge three points. It lifts them out of the relegation zone. But it's so extraordinarily tight down there, obviously, with the exception of Elche. Ali, this could have been so much worse, couldn't it, for Sevilla? How key that late penalty was to Rakitic. It's a stress relief. It's a desperation time for Sevilla. It felt like it was going to be one of those games again where they create some chances. They have opportunities. Jeremias Conan Ledesma, the goalkeeper for Cadiz, is coming up with save here, save there. Balls bouncing everywhere except into the goal. They get a goal called off for an offside in the first half and you're thinking, I don't know if this is happening for Sevilla because it is so very much what has been happening with them throughout the course of the season. And you can sense it in Sanchez Pijuan in the setting. You can feel the tension. At the beginning of the game, it was all support. Here we go. Let's go get these guys. And as the game went on, it was eh, desperation. Ah, that nervous energy. And, and you can't help but think that the players are feeling it as well. The other thing that I would say, you bring in Jorge Sampaoli to give this team a push. In a moment in which perhaps you need calmness because everybody else is freaking out and if you want a guy to be calm in this sort of environment <laughs> it is not Jorge Sampaoli in fact he got himself thrown out of the game today so the struggles for Sevilla 
perhaps will continue, but this is at the very least three points that allows you to breathe, to take a breath and kind of set up the next week and hope that then you can get in a string of results. Sevilla though, in the attacking half, they continue to struggle. While they may create opportunities, they just don't seem to have anybody to put in the back of the net. Boys, we discussed this on yesterday's show. I want to get your opinion on it. Obviously, Real Madrid came from behind to beat Villarreal on Thursday uh, in the Copa del Rey. Chouameni is injured at the moment. He was filmed at the NBA match that was taking place at the same time as the game. So, obviously, didn't watch the game and he was criticised as a result. He's come out and issued this statement. I apologise to my club, the coaching staff, my teammates and the Madridista fans for my presence at an event at the same time that we had a lot to play for in the Copa. I've been monitoring at all times but what was happening in Villarreal, but I haven't done the right thing. I'm sorry. Yeah, been watching Gareth, has he? <laughs> Is he right to be criticised? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you're injured, your teammates are playing... The game wasn't at home, though, was it? No, no, it was at Villarreal. Yeah. I mean, you just got to make good decisions, haven't you? Really? I'm, su I'm surprised. I, d I didn't think it would be that, that big I, a deal. I actually did, I, I didn't realise the game was at Villarreal. Yeah, he was in Paris for the NBA match. Yeah, I've got a different opinion on it then. I thought, I thought the game was actually at home. Right. But I'm OK with that. OK. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. Right. You can take the game. You can still watch the game. Yeah. You don't have to be locked up in the house to have to watch the game. So, no, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, unless you're bothered about the travelling. You know, people yeah. flicking between countries and when you're injured, you should, you know, that, should you be seen to be travelling? Is it the image, isn't it? How committed are you to our club that pays you so much money? That we're that you're not willing to watch a big game like this live. That you'd prefer I mean, to be if, somewhere else. I mean, uh, had this been at the uh, Bernabeu, yes. then it's a whole, it's a whole different, different ball. Really. However, yeah. there is still a like. Well, we are playing, and you're away doing whatever. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, if you're the court, if you're Angelotti, right? Are you? What are you going to say to the guy? You're not. You're not going to fine him or suspend him or. Right. You're just going to go look. It's probably better if you keep your head down. Right. But at the end of the day, I don't have that big a problem with it. But keep, just keep your nose clean. That's it. Ali, we heard from you yesterday, of course. Do you think this statement now will put the end to it all? Uh... I would make the argument that the statement could have been better from Chuameni. Don't tell me that you're looking at scoring updates and that's enough and <laughs> therefore you're clear from any blame. It, that doesn't quite put it all right to me. I would say that there's a very simple solution to this. You go to Carlo Ancelotti, who is indeed your boss, your direct boss, and say, hey, look, I'm going to get my rehab done. And he said, OK, if once I get my rehab done, I can go and watch this game in Paris. I'll be back for uh, tomorrow's rehab. Is, do you have an issue with this? And if Carlo Ancelotti says, no, don't, don't worry, go ahead, then so be it. But obviously, he didn't, they, he didn't get this clear by the team. And I do think that there is a perception issue with Chouameni and with any player that does this. Your team is playing. Your team has been struggling, which I think is important here in, in the context of the conversation. Real Madrid have been struggling. The last thing you want to do is be away somewhere else, be seen somewhere else, while your team is having to come back against Villarreal. Imagine if Villarreal actually had held on against Real Madrid and they had lost that match. This would have become an even bigger story because, oh, we've been struggling, you're injured, you're over there watching the basketball game, while our team's still struggling, while our team's still losing. The perception of it, I don't think, sends the right message for too many. I think one of the problems for a young, particularly a young player, but I, I, I know you. You don't think it's a problem, but I, I don't. I, no, no. But I think I think I don't, I don't understand them. You're making them. No, but but Stevie. No, Stevie. Stevie. The the and just using Gareth Bale as a as an analogy. The antagonistic side of him is still, and it was at the end, right? Very antagonistic, and the fans were taking the bait, and the headlines were negative, and that's fresh. In those supporters' minds, and, and we know how hostile it can be, and those fans can be, as Ali said, when performances are not good. And for any young player, you don't want to give what what does it been about nine, eighty, ninety thousand? Yes. Fans who are going to turn on you as a youngster. If that, I'm not saying that will happen, but if you give them enough rope, that could happen. It's difficult enough getting into these big clubs. 
and making a name for yourself. You don't want to make the fans turn on you because you want to drain the confidence and they turn on you. You just good decisions. That's all I'm saying. Uh, too many won't be available, of course, still nursing that injury for the game tomorrow, which is live on ESPN Plus. Part of a double header for you, Barca taking on Cotafe, followed by that game. Uh, the new Matt San Lamez Athletic Club taking on Real Madrid, those games live on ESPN Plus. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. 68 days without Bundesliga football to entertain us. But the winter pause is over. We have a top spiel to kick things off. Hermé Leipzig versus Bayern München. How we missed it. Watch into the middle. Chipper will take his one of them. And that's what he was doing before the World Cup break. Absolutely brilliant from Gnabry. Chipper Motin wanted it badly. He got on the end of it. It's a bit slack from Bayern. Forsberg. Trying to find André Silva. Looking for the angle. Is it going to be? Exactly set the world on fire, didn't they? As they return to action against uh, Leipzig, and of course, looking ahead to the uh, next round of the Champions League, where they face PSG. They are favourites uh, to advance. Uh, Robbo's back in the, the gold. Gab uh, joins us in the warmth of his house. Uh, Robbo, let's start with you. As it stands, buying favourites to beat PSG. Well, not on the evidence of yesterday. They didn't get any sort of fluency in their play. Uh, I thought the two centre-halves at times were too eager to try and win the ball. They were left two-on-two two at times. And De Ligt looked a bit edgy, so did Upamecano, as we saw with that foul that you just played there. And they didn't have any fluency in midfield. Kimmich is usually a, a top-class player. He didn't run the game. He got better, actually, after he made the mistake for the, for the goal. But he didn't really run the game. Goretzka was... was ineffective as well. The front line, I thought Gnabry played well down the left-hand side, and just when he was playing well down the left-hand side, they put him to the right-hand side. Chupo Motin is the, is the centre-forward, who didn't really get involved in, in much of the play, but scored his goal. There was a lot of players waving their arms about arguing with each other. They didn't mm. play with the fluency, and I thought at times Leipzig put them off their, off their rhythm. So, not great from Bayern Munich at the moment, and I've seen that quite often after a Christmas break. Bayern don't always play well for the first two or three weeks. They'll need to play much better against PSG. Is that just where, where are we? judging them after just one game after a long winter break? I think, uh, well, I, I think it's far from the best Bayern Munich side anyway. Mm. But I think there is, there is obviously something in the cobwebs of, of a winter break. Uh, obviously, Jan Sommers come in to replace uh, Manuel Neuer, not a big drama, experienced goalkeeper. What I thought, as the second half wore on, because Leipzig didn't offer a great deal in the first half at all, but as they pushed forward in the second half, that back line looks a little flimsy. And I don't know how fit he is, but Delit to me, just is cumbersome. And that's me being nice. I mean, if you get him one-on-one, -on -one, a Pumacana 
looks a little bit cumbersome, but I think he's quicker. I just don't think De Ligt is, is, is quick at all. And I think that could be exploited in behind. So, yeah, I mean, we know Bayern can produce performances. That, maybe that's why they're favourites against PSG. But I don't think it's a, a Bayern side you look at and go, I'm frightened to play them. I mean, it looks pretty good on paper, but we shouldn't underestimate the difference between coming off a break and being in the middle of the season and playing and being fluent. Right. I and mean, that was a big thing that we're always talking about. There was no fluency. And that smacks of not playing. So will that come? Is that just a case of time? Yeah, but unfortunately, they don't have time. This game against PSG is coming up pretty quick. So right. they don't have time. Yeah. You know? when, you, when you play practice games and you do all kinds of training, when you step into a proper game, everyone has to be quicker and more accurate. And so don't be surprised that things are not as quick and they're certainly not as accurate. But they're not, they, they, I mean, to be fair to them, they didn't play one of the weaker teams in the Bundesliga. Sure. Leipzig are supposed to be the nearest challengers this year. That's, mm. what, that's what they were saying. That's what Derek was saying that in the commentary yesterday. And they're away from home. So, I mean, I think we can cut them some slack. In, in that respect, but it, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a brilliant performance. Uh, Manny, of course, very much questionable, certainly for the first leg. Gab, are we being too harsh on Bayern? I think so. I mean, I, you know, as you guys were talking, I was sort of thinking to myself sort of around Europe and say, like, you know, which of the big clubs uh, has played consistently well and has looked impressive uh, since the end of the World Cup? And, you know, other than Arsenal, who obviously won't be winning the Champions League this year, um, or indeed Barcelona, uh, I, I couldn't think of uh, I couldn't think of too many others, and I don't think it's a coincidence. Paris Saint Germain certainly uh, have blown hot and cold a lot, uh, in fact, more cold than hot uh, since uh, since the World Cup. Probably not a mystery when you've got all these guys going away. I think Stevie made a good point. How will this break impact them? What we've seen in the past is they do a lot of physical work to kind of top up their fitness. And it takes them a while to, to find their, their, their rhythm after the break. But, you know, by the time these two teams play each other, it could be a different story. Uh, you're Dortmund, of course. Uh, Robbo, ahead of their clash against Salzburg, you'll be calling that live on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, just give us a, a little bit of preview going into that game. Well, first of all, I'll correct you. I'm in Cologne at the moment, oh. ready to go to Dortmund tomorrow morning. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward Why to the Dortmund, Dortmund game. Tonight? Wouldn't that make sense? Because, because Derek loves Cologne. <laughs> that right, Robbo? Yeah, and that, that's his hometown. That's Derek's hometown. We, he, you know, he takes us here, there, and everywhere. He knows everybody in Cologne. Um, so, yeah, that, so I've, my German is absolutely brilliant, uh, as you can imagine now. So, what's the geography? Uh, looking How forward far to tomorrow's is it to game. Apparently it's about an hour and a quarter drive, and oh. uh, so yeah, it's not it's not that far. Uh, so and then we come back here in the evening to have a nice meal before we come home. So well, uh, well, I'll try again, Dan. <laughs> I'll try again when we when we go to Dortmund tomorrow. It's going to be a good game. Sebastian Haller could be the story. Yes. You know, obviously he went yeah, to brilliant. Dortmund had testicular cancer. He has had radiotherapy or chemotherapy. He's now. Back in the squad, he scored a hat trick against Basel in a, in a friendly a little while ago. So that would be a great story. Everybody's, of course, looking at Jude Bellingham as well. He was excellent at the World Cup. Can he continue that sort of form? Lots of clubs looking at him. And Makoka, who's just signed a, a, a big contract at, uh, at uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund, and they thought he might go, but he's going to be the centre forward. He's a young player that's got a good goal record, an outstanding player. And if those three players and, and Sebastian Hanna might come on as a sub, if those three players play to the best of their ability, they should be too much for uh, too much for else who um, are right near the bottom of the table at the moment. At, le at least that hour and a quarter driving the car will give you a chance, Robbo, to up your game in the pronunciation stakes. <laughs> yeah, it's like with the Derek. Wheels, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think your name we can, we, we can all pronounce is, uh, is Gio Reyna. Of course, this is first game since the whole soap opera exploded over here in the States, Robbo. How much is he expected to feature? Uh, I'm not sure he's going to feature that. You know, we looked at the possible lineups. He's fit to play. Uh, they're talking about him maybe playing on the right-hand side. There's some other choices as well. Uh, Mark, depends whether Marco Royce is fit, and there's a question mark over him. But if Rainer plays, he'll play on the right-hand side. And, of course, as you just mentioned, he's a player that is under the scrutiny at the moment because he had all that problems at the World Cup. He didn't play particularly well just before the World Cup for Borussia Dortmund. He obviously didn't play that much in the World Cup. Uh, his mum and parents have all got involved. It's, uh, it's going to be a testing time for a young player to get himself back on track and show the quality that he's got because he's undoubtedly a top-class player. 
Stuart Robson. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, meanwhile, in Italy, Napoli extending their lead at the top of the table after a 2-0 victory. Uh, they are flying at the moment. Very much favourites, aren't they, to win their first title since 1990. But the big story this week has, of course, been about the side that now sit 10th in the table after that 15-point deduction handed to Juve. Uh, Juve stung, said the front page of Gazeta. Uh, Juventus flattened, meanwhile, uh, Carrera Sport. Right, Gab, I know this is going to be difficult. Pretend I'm an idiot. Explain to me what Juventus well, have done wrong. We don't have to pretend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... I can tell you what Juventus were, were found guilty of. I will have an explainer up, or it might already be up uh, on the site if you want to get more, more granular. But uh, essentially, it has to do with uh, amortization and, and the, way, um, the, the way clubs account for it when they buy and sell players. Basically, if you sell a player for $10 million, uh, you book a $10 million profit straight away. If you buy a, a player for $10 million, you only take... Uh, a two million hit, and, and say that ten million player signs a five-year contract, you only take a two million hit in that first season. So, Dan, if you or I were to, um, let's say, I sold you uh, a pencil for ten million, and you sold me a pen for ten million, and we gave Mr. Pen and Mr. Pencil, we both gave them five-year contracts. On paper, from an accounting point of view, we would be making an eight million. Uh, dollar profit. Mm. Um, reason being that um, ten million dollars uh, coming in because I've sold you the pen, but then I can uh, I can spread out the cost of of the purchase of your pencil for uh, over, over over five seasons. All of that is fine and it's legal. The accusation against Juventus is uh, that they inflated the values. They went to other clubs and they said, "Hey, this pen it's only worth one million. Let's pretend it's worth." 10 million um, and that way because that would really really help us out in making our books look better essentially it's a form of cooking the books now obviously you might be asking well then why weren't other clubs punished and in the view of the prosecutor with Juventus this was really a systemic thing uh, remember their offices were raided there were wiretaps and essentially you know they talk about this quite openly like uh, you know, we're not really supposed to be doing this, but in reality, if we get away with it, blah, blah, blah. That's the accusation. Now, Juventus are going to say, uh, this was an appeal trial, remember? Well, first time around, uh, you found us innocent. What's actually changed? Second, with wiretaps, they're, they're prone to different sorts of interpretation. Um, but, and obviously, there's also a feeling, why are we being targeted? Uh, so it remains to be seen whether the stands, they do have another appeal coming up. So what's the likelihood that maybe these 15 points could be reinstated, Gab? I, I, it's really difficult to answer that until we see the actual written reasons from, from the judges that, that accompanied uh, this verdict, Dan. Um, interesting thing is about this next level of appeal, um, and this may be Juventus's best bet at, at this stage, they can't get into the merits of the judgment. Uh, they can simply either uphold the, the, the judgment or they can strike it off if they think there was some irregularity or there was some sort of, um, of, of technical issue with it. And uh, like I said, one of those things might be, well, this is not a crime. Um, you know, you may see it as false accounting, but we can go and have a debate about that. It's not cut and dried. So I, th there's a range of things I think Yuva can lean on, but certainly right now, um, morale is way down because remember they don't just have this sporting case there's also a criminal case uh, involved here because uh, they're being investigated for false accounting and and they are listed on on the stock exchange they have a duty to report things accurately accurately to to shareholders and of course um, another branch of that that sort of false accounting trial potentially which could also turn into a sporting trial uh, is this business when they all took pay cuts uh, under COVID announced the pay cuts and then, as it has emerged, according to, to investigators, um, those weren't real pay cuts. Were actually only they were going to get uh, a fair chunk of that money back through bonuses um, and other mechanisms. And of course, on top of that, uh, Craig's favorite uh, three letters, FFP, um, <laughs> because they've been found guilty here. UEFA are also investigating them wow. because if it's false accounting, <laughs> then the question is, did you have the numbers you needed to play in the Champions League all these years? Wow.
So, <laughs> anything to add, Stephen? Uh, one of the things I was going to ask, one of the things I was going to ask you, Gavin, is slightly going away from Juventus, but it's a less story. What does this mean for Paratici at Tottenham, if anything, and how will that affect Antonio Conte, if at all? Yeah, so obviously as part of this uh, judgment, a whole bunch of, uh, of Juventus officials were, were banned, including the former president. feels weird saying that after so many years. Uh, Andrea Agnelli, of course, was, was forced to resign uh, in November. Uh, he's been banned for two years. Fabio Paratici has been banned for two and a half years. Now, there's, there's two elements to this. One is, um, I, obviously, he's got... This, this appeal coming up together with Juventus. And remember, Juventus can also take the case to, to, uh, to cast to the Court of Arbitration for Sport as well uh, before the ban becomes definitive. And the other element is, will this ban be extended worldwide? Prosecutors have asked FIFA to, to extend it to a worldwide uh, ban, which is, which is possible, it wouldn't be unprecedented. Um, so that's going to impact whether he can continue. And then also, I think, Spurs are going to weigh up um, sort of some of the, the negative publicity that comes uh, from this, what it means for him. In terms of what it means for Antonio Conte, um, you know, the guys worked together before for three years at Juventus, won three league titles, and Conte still walked out. Uh, there's no question that Paratici has a ton of respect for Conte. Maybe it's, uh, it's mutual. But, you know, uh, they're not blood relatives. Um, so I, I don't think Conte's decision is going to necessarily depend on, on the future of, uh, of Fabio Paratici. If Conte wants to move on at the end of the season, he's going to move on, I think, with or, or without Paratici. Uh, good stuff, Gav, as Gav mentioned. Of course, be sure to check out his article over on the website. Plus, check out the latest edition of the Gab and Jules podcast that drops on Monday. Don't forget to check that out. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It is, of course, a World Cup year for the women. Their preparation's going well as they thrash New Zealand by five goals to nil on Friday. A lot more reaction to that and more developing news regarding uh, the U.S. men's game as well on the latest edition of Football Americas. You can check that out on ESPN+. Plus. A new episode drops on Monday. Uh, that is it. That brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you very much for watching. Be sure to stay tuned, though. Extra Time is next. Uh, Gab back with us, as well as the boys, to answer your questions. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Thank you, as always, for your tweets. Craig and Stevie with us here in the studio. Gab, how are you feeling about tonight? You nervous? I am a little bit nervous, but you know what? Uh, it's one of those things where you you know you tell yourself nervous because you don't want to you don't want to take it for granted. Logic says uh, uh, we should win. We've got what 21 of 22 uh, starters available. We've already beaten them twice. They're really not that good. But then you know you don't want to look like a fool if they upset you. Oh. My main thing is I want to make sure Nick Sirianni and the players aren't underestimating them. Oh, Eagles against the Giants, of course, tonight in the playoffs. Meanwhile, back to soccer. Uh, it is, is it hard to stay focused while playing in a game you know is very boring? <laughs> Have you played in many boring games? <laughs> well, a game's boring uh, if you're 4-0 up. Well, not really, because that's not... That's not what you're thinking at the time. Right. You're trying to do your best at all times. Okay. So you're not thinking about it that I way? I think it may be pre-season friendlies. I know it's slightly different. Oh, they're horrible. Time. They're right. awful. You... 
The, the worst games are the first couple because you play teams that are in the second leg. Like, for example, we used to go to Sweden and Norway. We used to go all over Scandinavia and play like second division teams. Right. Or even first division teams. So they're up for it. And they're up for it. And we're just starting off. We've hardly kicked a ball. And you're in the middle of nowhere. And you're getting beat. <laughs> and you're thinking, how are we going to win the title? We can't even beat this one. I mean, you think you, you feel as though you're never going to be able to run again. Yeah. Because you can't catch anybody. People are running past you. You can't pass it straight. It's like, <laughs> oh, I just wish the final was so good we get away from here. Shaka would have fallen asleep for sure what? at Anfield today. Well, I mean, you could fall asleep in a bed of nails, can't you? <laughs> but for the players on the field, it wasn't boring. Right. You don't have that sense. Well, the, the like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> oh, well, they can't no. score, and we can't score. Ref, can't we just stop the game now? Sort of thing. No. 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 Friendlies, were you, what were you like? Oh, oh they're oh, awful. Yeah, awful. incredibly bored than friendlies. Awful. Yeah. The Pre-season's worst, different. The worst friendlies as well were internationals. Oh, yeah, you love when, You know when both when you got both teams? Yes. When the players don't, are not, they're not interested. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. Cab, have you ever fallen asleep covering a game? I have not fallen asleep oh. actually at the stadium. I have seen, uh, I have seen colleagues yeah. uh, uh, fall asleep. <laughs> Jack of his life. Um, in <laughs> fact, in fact, I remember this happening in uh, uh, the press box at, uh, here in London at West Ham, which is, and then this is at the Belen ground. So this is at, at the old ground, um, which is actually, you know, it's a pretty noisy place, pretty noisy fans. And I don't know if this particular gentleman, who I won't name, I don't know if he'd, if he'd had a drink before it was, or, or in the afternoon, but uh, yeah, he was very obviously snoring. <laughs> and um, eventually somebody woke him up because we didn't want to get in trouble with, uh, uh, with his boss. But I think there were enough people, I, I think this might have been just before camera phones were ubiquitous, but yeah, he would have been in serious trouble. I fell asleep at a press conference once, waiting for the, the player to come. Really? Yeah, that was that was back in the that was back in, in the yeah yeah. What, who woke you up? The cameraman? <laughs> no, one of one of the another journalist there woke me up. But it, it took well, a while. You, you know when you see like the House of Commons and yes, yeah, and all these politicians. Yeah, they're all asleep. Yeah. Half of them are. Mind you, what about when you sit on the bench? Has it ever been? I suppose you guys didn't spend too much time on a bench. But have you known players to have a little? Julian Faubert famously did it at Real Madrid when he was there. Who? Fell asleep? Yeah, fell asleep on the bench. Oh, you're too busy. You're too busy when they carry on on the bench. Right. Unless it's a cup final or something. But generally, right. when you're on the bench, you're just messing around. You're messing about, and, and I mean, you're watching a game, but you're not. You're not particularly. You just sat there. Right. And if something well, goes, like if somebody does, if somebody gets megged, yeah, then you're all like, you're all like, what about that? Plus the fact, like, if somebody gets injured in the first ten minutes, you're like, get up, right. oh, no. get up. You're looking at the clock, going, oh, God, I don't want to come on. Now. Are you getting, are you getting battered? And you see the, you see the gaffer looking down the line, and you're all sitting like this, leaning back so he doesn't see you. <laughs> what you brought on, was it 4-0, 5-0? Oh, that was Blackburn, yeah. 3-0 right. three, three after 20 minutes. Brilliant. And David Plate went like that, and we all went like that. Whoa, there. <laughs> I told you I made my debut at Forest. <laughs> yeah, at Not Nottingham Forest, when we were 5-0 down. Right. We got beat 7. The first thing I did when I came on, I had to go on the wall and face a Stuart Pearce free kick. Oh. And he, he was taking big run-ups in those days. Right, yeah. You know, with that angry look about him? Yes. And you thought, well, he's not going to swear for this one. Yeah. He's gone for power. <laughs> So there's five, six of us in the wall. What percent? What's a done percent? Yeah, done percent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, five nil. Bobby Campbell. He's no longer with us. Uh, Bobby, Craig, get, get, get changed. You're going on, son. Well, cheers. Gaffer. Right, nice. There you are. That's, that's, a way, that's a way to make your debut, isn't it? Stevie, in the game against Chelsea, which of Chelsea's forwards you felt was the most dangerous? Zayek and Mudrik seemed a good, seemed good despite not scoring. Oh, Mudrik. If you talk about the time he was on the field to what he did, yes. no question, he was yeah. he was exciting. And I imagine someone like that can that just lift everything. Absolutely. Like, like within the team, the dressing room, obviously the crowd as well. Get him the ball. Right. You know, and the fact he's up against James Milner. So the guy's known for being extra pacey. And you see what he does. First time he got the ball, he's positive and he goes after him. So you just go straight away. Oi. Get him the ball. Right. Absolutely. Get him the ball. 
It seems like many Chelsea players are slipping on the turf today, but none of the Liverpool players. Is that anything to do with home advantage? Does, uh, does Anfield have an extra slippery element? Well, here's one for you, by the way. Okay. So you played, you played the, the era after me. So the pitches we played on were heavier. Okay. Right? Yeah, and you had longer studs as a result. Right. And I noticed when I went back and played, like 2006, I couldn't believe how hard the ground was. Right. And it wasn't, it was the middle of summer. Just the way the, the, the fields are now. Global warming, Stephen. Yeah. So, I forgot what I was going to ask you though. Like, well, I just forgot what we were talking well, about. Well, but, but in all fairness, I just forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> 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 you Are you lost again? We're talking about slipping over Aye. and feeling well, advantage. So, so because it's so hard, there was a lot. There was a lot of the players that on that day were, were sliding all over the place. Okay. Because it, it just came as such a shock right. to be on such a hard surface that any sort of slide off you went. Right. And there wasn't a lot of touch. I mean, the, the grass was like that. But as, as I said before, it was it was way thicker and softer. Did you have problems keeping your footing at other p pitches when compared to really. Stamford Bridge? No, I mean... You were playing 2006, weren't you? No. No? I finished in 2003 yeah. or 2004. So uh, you played in 2006, yeah. I'd like to have seen that. <laughs> so I did... No, well, a lot of the pitches were... Because you would see both. Yeah, you would see both sides of it. Well, yeah, they're not as good as they are now, right. but they were they were better. Them. Apart from Selhurst Park, where Wimbledon and Crystal Palace were playing as a right. ground share, and I remember playing two years in a row in FA Cup quarterfinals down there, and I honestly kid you not, there was barely a blade of grass on the field. Yeah. But, in going to Old Trafford, it's not bad. I would say, I would describe it as a hybrid. It was partly in between the 80s okay. and where we are now. It was half decent. You didn't fall over at one place more than another? You, no. no. It's the lounge afterwards. No. Um, is Lampard the easy scapegoat, Gav, for all the problems with Everton? Is there more of a systemic problem? <laughs> they spelt it wrong. Uh, with the overall structure of the club, starting with the owner. Uh, wait, which owner are you talking about? Moshiri or the guy who sues you if you say he's the real owner? Um, <laughs> I'm not getting involved, Jack. Surely it's the directors yeah, of football exactly. that have this problem. Oh. But you can't. You, yeah, I mean, no, you can look at, you what, can look at Moshiri and blame right? him for so. this and that, but at the end of the day, he's put a lot of money in. So, so the problem is with the directors of he football. Put, hey, that not for, he's put money in. Oh. Well, yeah. let's be honest. He's put his money into the club. Was, yes, whoever's he money has, is, of course. they've spent a lot of money on players. And I'm sure Machiri wasn't picking the players. Right. So the mistake has been on whoever the no, director of football has been because of the money he, they've spent on people like Iwobi, right. for example. No, no. And, and they've been through three of them, right. is what I'm saying. So obviously there's an issue in terms of either bringing in directors of football can't work with managers or managers can't work with directors of football or or making the wrong appointments you know buck stops with the people who make the decisions and that is the owner uh that is bill kenwright who seems to hang around in perpetuity for 18 years simply because he loves the club um you know by the way 18 years in which you know the, the clubs you know certainly for most of that time kind of gone into a vertical decline um, I think it's really difficult. I know it's a boring answer to say lots of different people are to blame, um, but I, it's clearly dysfunctional in, in so many ways. And it's been like this for a very long time. And, and you know, and I feel for Everton because when I was growing up, they were a legitimate big club. And you speak to fans who are new to the Premier League, um, or will become Premier League fans in the last 15, 20 years, and they have no idea of, of Everton's history. They have no idea of what Everton were in, in the 1980s when they were when they were challenging your team, Stevie. Um, you know, they think of Everton as sort of, oh look, it's you know, it's the Scouse version of Crystal Palace. Well, with all due respect to Crystal Palace, they're really not. I think Lampard's just made a really bad decision, isn't it, in terms of his managerial career, Go, going in there. I'm not, not for one minute suggesting he's the, the becoming of Klopp or Guardiola, not at all. Uh, 
But when you try to rebuild your stock, as he was, you got to pick, it's a bit like David Moyes in a way, when he got a United job, he couldn't turn it down, and then he was jumping in everything. Mm. You know, yeah. uh, Real Sociedad, yeah. Sunderland, which yeah. was a cesspit at the time. And these guys, it's almost like they can't help themselves. They want to get back in, they want to get back in. And that's understandable, but sometimes you've got to be careful. This, this, this has been a sinking ship for a long time. Mm. It's so toxic now, you've got to question how long the ownership can continue, but I suppose people that make a lot of money in business I've got a cynical side, I've got a tolerant side, and I've got an egotistical side. They might just try and see this one out. Yeah. But it, it, it's a bad scenario all right. As, as far as being the scapegoat though, unfortunately for Frank and any other manager, right now, the position they find themselves in, they need a quick, fix. a quick, yes. quick, yeah, quick fix. Yeah, you can't sack all the players. So. So, you, so, you, so changing the owner is going to take time, you can't get rid of all the players, but the only logical thing to do is hope that if you bring in a new manager, there will be such a, a, a kick, the new manager kick, that he can somehow pick up points to stay in the league. It, it's just the way it is. It's a, it's a double-edged sword because uh, it is, as I mentioned, toxic, and we've seen problems outside the stadium that have been beyond what protesting should be, to be honest with you. But as Stevie said, if the out of the mindset because of the atmosphere to sell the club. They're going to sell it for a damn sight less if they're in the championship than they are if they're in the Premier League. Mm. And, and, and so, well, I would imagine, maybe not, I don't know, but I, I would think so. It's less value, it's, it's got less value uh, in the championship. So you need to bring somebody in to try and keep them up because it doesn't look as if Lampard can. And that's just more short term plasters over the band-aid over the cut. But what do you do? Do you, do you sink down to the championship? You know what you do? You know what you do? Bring, you bring in Don. Because <laughs> Don thinks if they go down, they can <laughs> just come straight back bring up. In Don. <laughs> um, what do you think has been the key factor, Stephen, in Newcastle's defence keeping so many clean sheets and being resolute? Do you know what? If you watch Newcastle, they do something that not a lot of teams in the Premier League do. If they're under pressure, they kick it. Right. I mean, obviously, when teams are going at them, they defend well. But I don't remember since since the start of the season, Newcastle putting themselves under pressure by trying to overplay the ball out from the back. I, I just don't remember it. And I think the, actually the other team that does it well, Arsenal. Right. If you watch Arsenal's defence, they they will kick it. They're not scared to kick it. So. Four, but they got four solid defenders in there. Yeah, and Pope, what a I mean, great Dan Barnes, Pope, Pope today was yeah. superb. You know, yeah. Botman's a very good centre half. So Shah's a good player. Trippy is a, a, a seven or eight out of ten every week. Yeah. And as you said, yeah. that save Pope only really had one thing to do today, yeah. and it was. I actually think he's England's best goalkeeper. But obviously, Pickford's the number one. But yeah, that's a solid backline. Gab, what is ailing last season's top scorers, Salah and Son? How can they both struggle so much with form that they can't buy a goal for their teams anymore? Or is it just a function of how Liverpool and Spurs are playing? I mean, it's obviously primarily uh, it's primarily going to be a function of that. I, I think it's interesting because you know Salah didn't go to the World Cup, right? So you figure he should be rested and. Um, it's almost Son did go to the World Cup and stick there, you know, didn't stick around there uh, that long. But what I find really interesting is the pieces around Son are the same as last season. Uh, the pieces around Salah have changed substantially. You know, Liverpool's uh, front three, obviously, not just the injuries, but but Darwin Nunez coming in and whatnot, uh, and, and now Cody. I, it's so there's obviously different reasons I think at play there. Um, I don't have an easy answer, and uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. If, if Conte and Klopp don't have the answer, um, <laughs> I'm not going to have one here. Uh, but it is an odd one. I think Son especially has uh, has really, really been far below his level the last two, three months. I mean, I think people, some people just automatically think that because somebody's had a great year or a couple of years, that the next one's going to be the same. Right. I suppose so. Pierre Salah has been so consistent since that move to Liverpool, that he's kind of set that bar high and that expectation at that level. Yep. Well, uh, I'll throw it in there as well. 
I'm not suggesting it's the reason, but I'll throw it in. When Manny left, just before he left, he did get his new deal. Yeah. His big money. I don't know. Maybe subconsciously you're... I don't think so, but... I mean, it's not easy unless you're Messi and Ronaldo over the years to post those kind of seasons every year. For Gab, start, bench, drop. Vlavic, Tammy Abraham or Osserman? No, there's no question you start. Uh, you start Osserman. Uh, of the other two, I mean, in terms of all-around package, I, I would I would take Vlaovic, but, you know, based on recent form and having watched Tammy, Tammy's had a very poor first half of the season, but he's really picked it up in the last couple of games. Great partnership with Dybala in the last few outings. I might bench Tammy and, uh, and drop Vlaovic for now. Uh, final question. A lot of people have been um, expressing this sort of view, Gab. Does the Gab and Jules show need to be renamed the Gab or Jules show as one or another is always missing? There's a lot of holidays that go on between you two, Gab. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, so, a couple of things here, okay? Uh, Jules and I are working journalists. We travel, we report yeah. on stories. We Jules, can't. Jules is at the NBA. That's what he's doing at the NBA. <laughs> He was hanging out with Aurelien Chouameni. Yeah, he was with Chouameni. Yeah, he was reporting yeah, on Real Madrid yeah, and on France. Yeah, exactly. Chouameni yeah. had to apologize. Jules should apologize as well for not listening to the Gab and Jules podcast live <laughs> with Don. I think Gab should be taken off. Uh, sat in the I think he should be taken off for a bit and sat in the naughty chair. Oh, so he should be taken away from the no, big chair? No, purely for taking his family to the Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> on that alone, Gab, what are you thinking about? I mean... Am I not entitled to a holiday after the World Cup? Yes, but not. Why did Come you, on, where did you go? You went to Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Siberia, Antarctica. It's the opposite end of the globe. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Would you like to go to Antarctica, Stevie? No, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> I'd like to see you get lost there. What? Well, don't phone me if you go there. Don't phone me if you go there. I'm not coming. I follow the North Star. There you, there you go. Beautiful. High-vis jacket. Be yeah. good, wouldn't High it? High-vis. In the snow. Well, what's going to attack sure him over there? Polar bears can see me. In Avon, in the woods, he's going to get a, a bow and arrow. He's got to yes. avoid that. Yeah. High-vis. Yeah. In Avon. Yeah. What's going to attack... What's the... Uh, polar bears. Polar bears. Polar bears. Polar bears. Oh, they don't like high-vis jackets? No, no There's no polar bears in Antarctica. Oh. So, and what, there's what, no woods which, either. Which animal should what Stevie be concerned yeah. of then if he gets lost? What's liable to eat me? I would be... Uh, no, Stevie, I'd be concerned by, uh, uh, by penguins. Whose uh, uh, whose droppings, incidentally, smell extremely foul. Well, you're obsessed you about penguin droppings, Gab. You get going on. But I fancy my chances against penguins, a penguin. What are they going to do to you? What's he going to do? There's a whole colony of penguins. There's hundreds of them. It's not just you against one penguin. It's, it's like the birds, Hitchcock. You've seen oh, that. Right? Are, they gang, are they going to gang up, are they? Come on! Follow the jacket. It's a lot. Great lads. Where are we going on holiday, Dad? We're going to smell penguin poop in Antarctica. What? By the way, is there any sort of poop doesn't smell full? Mm. <laughs> That's today's question. Yeah. We'll leave you with that. Good luck to the Eagles tonight, Gab. We'll be back tomorrow uh, to reflect on Arsenal against the United Real Madrid Barcelona in action as well. Be sure to join us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 